You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Something I think isn't going to take particularly long, but for me has been particularly powerful. Um, it has brought some revelation on on something that I thought really was just a concept and had trouble dif- differentiating from some other things uh, that that God has given us. Um, but over the last over the last few months, the Lord has been talking to me about hope. Um, you know, for us, typically, we hope and faith are kind of in the same category. Um, and we have a tendency to kind of think of it as a lesser form of faith, um, especially when we consider it in the way the world considers it. The world considers hope as, uh, you know, the same as saying, I wish. I wish this happened. I hope this happens. Uh, and it's just filled with uncertainty. You know, it's not... There's, nothing, there's no real power in it. It's just a word that gets said. But when you pause to think, this is what really got captured in my imagination, is when you pause to think about how everything in the earth is created by God. Not just our human bodies and not just nature that we see and that we walk on. Um, everything. Love. Was the love that we experienced from him was created out of his nature. Faith is a created thing. Power is a created thing. All of these things that we treat as concepts, things like power, things like faith, things like hope, we have a tendency to hold them in our mind as concepts. But the truth is, these are powers. These are powerful moving forces in the kingdom. And so then the question becomes, okay, God created hope. It's an interesting conundrum, right? Because if, if our concept of hope is filled with uncertainty and doubt, wondering if something's actually going to happen, but it was created by God, something doesn't jive with, jive with his nature, right? What do we know about the Father? He is certain about all that he does. There is no shadow of doubt, no shadow of unknowing, no shadow of wavering with him. He is constant in his nature always. So we have to be misunderstanding something, right, about hope. We've got to be missing something. And if you want to go, if I didn't know the total, so I did the word search yesterday, uh, counting the Old Testament all the way through the word, old and new, the word hope is in there 121 times. I believe that's the number. Yeah, I think so. You can quote me, you can quote me, but don't quote me. But it's, it's over 100, well over 100. And so we realize, okay, there's some importance here. We, we need to grab a hold of what this means, especially as it's described in the New Testament. There's, there's something that we're missing in our walk in this world in obedience to the Holy Spirit as it pertains to hope. And it cuts us off from so much good, so much power, so many things the, wor- the Lord wants to do through us because we simply don't operate in hope. Um, and so just to, 
first just to establish that it's something different. Zach, if you'd pull up 1 Corinthians 13, 13. This is all in the Amplified, so it's got a lot of extra words that aren't in the King James. It's just the, uh, the Greek that it was written in expanded to contain its full meaning. So, and so faith, hope, and love abide. Faith, conviction, and belief respecting man's relation to God and divine things. Hope, joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. Love, true affection for God and man, growing out of God's love for and in us, these three, but the greatest of these is love. We have been taught extensively about faith, have we not? We know lots of things about faith. You can go to Hebrews 11 and say faith is the substance of things hoped for. We can quote so many scriptures about faith and we talk about operating in faith as we intercede. Faith believing for something. Faith believing for the prophetic words of the Lord to come about. We know a lot about faith. And we know a lot about love and have experienced a lot of love. Or at least uh, we should if we haven't uh, we've missed step one. <laughs> so we might want to take a step back, hit step one. Um, but we know very little about hope as an experience as we walk through and walk with the Lord, right? I mean, I've never even thought of it until recent months about something that is part of my walk that if I'm going to engage fully with the work of the Holy Spirit through my life, that I need to have a firm handle on and operate in. So we're just going to pull up just for the sake of seeing the presence of hope in the world and in the word and seeing what it does. We're going to run through some verses really quickly um, just, just to see what hope does. And then we're going to step into the meat of what I have to share. So Zach, if you'll just hit them. Uh, Psalms 43, 5. Why are you cast down, O my inner self, and why should you moan over me and be disquieted within me? Hope in God and wait expectantly for him, for I shall yet praise him, who is the help of my sad countenance and my God. So we see their hope is the buoy of our soul. In heavy times, it can lift our soul out of darkness. Let's go to the next one. For there is hope for a tree, if it is cut down, that it will sprout again, and that the tender shoot of it will not cease. And then, of course, this is from Job, so Job throws in there, but there is no such hope for man. We're in the midst of of Job's bemoaning. Um, but we, Job in his bemoaning stumbles on across a spiritual truth that we can be cut down, that we can be abused, that we can be beaten. There's, but there is nothing that this world can do to cause hope not to spring in us again. So we see in this verse that the spiritual truth of hope is that it runs counter to the story of death in the world. It is in direct opposition to death. Let's go to the next one, Zach. Hosea 2.15, And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Accor troubling to be for her a door of hope and expectation. So hope is a door into the blessings of the Lord. It is a door that we walk through into the good things of the kingdom. Let's go to the next one, Zach. Since we have such glorious hope, such joyful and confident expectation, we speak freely and openly and fearlessly. 2 Corinthians 3.12 Hope breeds and gives birth in us boldness and courage. That's an, that was an interesting thing as I was reading this last night. I had never considered it, but the presence of hope in me 
makes me bold. And it fills me with courage. Let's go to the next one, Zach. Through him also we have our access, interest, introduction by faith into his grace or the state of his favor in which we firmly and safely stand and let us rejoice and exult in our hope of experiencing enjoying the glory of God. Moreover, let us also be full of joy now. Let us exult and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship and produce patient and unswerving endurance. And endurance, fortitude, develops maturity of character, represented by approved faith and tried integrity. And character of this sort produces the habit of joyful and confident hope of eternal salvation. So hope is a product. Hope rises in us as we walk faithfully with the Lord, enduring trials and tribulations and difficulties. Normally, we would consider trial and trouble and difficulty to produce defeat. But when we walk with the Lord, filled with the Holy Spirit, walking through these things, enduring these things, actually produces hope, joyful expectation of the things that He has promised. Let's go to the next one, Zach. Okay. Now we arrive at the meat of what we want to talk about. Something that... uh, Something that is truly astounding. Or at least it was to me. I hope it is to you. Um, I didn't really know what the anointed part... I knew I was supposed to speak on hope this morning, but I didn't really know what the anointed part, the weight of the Spirit, was upon until I I read these verses. Um, And the Lord began to talk talk to me about what hope actually is. And we're going to start in verse 16. Men indeed swear by a greater than themselves. And with them in all disputes, the oath taken for confirmation is final. Accordingly, God also, in his desire to show more convincingly and beyond doubt to those who were to inherit the promise, the unchangeableness of his purpose and plan, he intervened and mediated with an oath. So just before we go any further, just so that we know what he's talking about there, that what Paul's, or the writer of Hebrews is referring to, is he's referring to Genesis chapter 15. Uh, in Genesis chapter 15, God comes to Abram and says, I want to have relationship with you. Um, and what I want you to do is take this number of animals, split them down the middle, put one half of the animal on one side and the other half of the animal on the other side. And then you and I are going to walk through this alley together making this covenant, you with me and me with you. But instead, what God did is he caused Abram to go to sleep. And he walked through the alley alone. Why did he do that? So that the covenant, the sustaining of the covenant, or the sustaining of the oath, and the carrying out of the promise of the relationship dwelled only in the Father. Because he knew Abram, he knew us. We're incapable of keeping our part. So God hid the covenant within himself. He hid the oath within himself. And so let's carry on. This was so that by two unchangeable things, his promise for relationship and his oath that he would be the mediator of that relationship, in which it is impossible for God ever to prove false or to deceive us. We who have fled to him 
for refuge might have mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement to grasp and hold fast the hope appointed for us and set before us. Now we have this hope, a sure and, stead, a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. It cannot slip. It cannot break down under whoever steps out upon it. A hope that reaches further enters into the very certainty of the presence, presence with a capital P, within the veil, where Jesus has entered in for us in advance. This is verse 20. A forerunner having become a high priest forever after the order, order of Melchizedek. What's the revelation in this? What, what, what's the anointed word in it? This is, it began with this phrase, that hope was a created thing that in this moment, in the moment that God walked through that alley of animals, the moment when his promise met his oath, was born into the world. Before that, there was no true hope. There are many scriptures that tell us that hope, as the world knows it, is not hope. It is death. It has no life. It has no power. So until that moment when God made his promise with Abram, there was no true hope in the world. The meeting of his promise and his oath. Where am I going with this? The power in this is there is another created being born into the world that carries that same name, that carries the name hope. Let's go to uh, Colossians 1.27. This blew, this blew my doors off. I, we all know this verse so well. To whom God was pleased to make known how great, to make known great, for the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ within and among you. The hope of realizing the glory. There's something unique about the way the Amplified writes it that we don't read in the King James. Hope is capitalized. Why is hope capitalized? Hope is capitalized because there are, there are three scriptures in the New Testament in which hope doesn't mean the earnest expectation of the salvation promised, but it means the one who made the promise, the one who the promise is founded upon. This hope, as it's written in 1 Corinthians, or Colossians 1.27, is Jesus himself. So what we see and what we understand is that hope in the earth was first personified by Jesus. We can read his story and understand that Jesus is hope personified. The promise of salvation, walking the earth. And what's revolutionary about that for us? Who bears that now? It's us. We are born of the same promise. We are born of the same oath. And now that Jesus dwells within us, we are hope personified in the earth. And the joyful expectation of our salvation, the assurance of our salvation, of our eternity with him, is the difference maker between we talk about being in the world, but not of the world. We look different. Why do we look different? The presence of true hope. 
the problem, the promise and assurance of eternal eternity with Jesus brings in us boldness and courage in the face of difficult times. Because the one who is hope is alive in us. I, for one, have never engaged with hope this way. The understanding that the presence of hope in my life is actually one of the first fruits that he is actually in me and that I am actually his. It is part of the first fruits that people should encounter from us that know him, the anchor, the foundation, the establisher of our hope, the one who is our hope. His presence in our story should radiate from us, should it not? So the first thing when people see this, those who don't know the name of Jesus, it's hard to imagine as Americans, but they exist. That have never heard that name and do not know its power. And even those who know the name still don't know his power. The way that they know that he is different is by the presence of hope in us, true hope. Part of what he is calling us to as we move forward into the things that he has promised is to walk in greater hope. To engage and understand daily that I am assured eternal life. No matter the difficulty that befalls me. No matter the trial that comes my way. No matter the pruning, his pruning. It, it makes us, he actually makes us promises that from his pruning, pruning tempering us, comes a greater hope. To engage daily with the presence of hope in my life is actually the difference maker when I walk into the supermarket. Mm-hmm. I carry a presence with me wherever I go. We're going to go back and read this script, uh, 18 and 19 in just a second, understanding that hope is Jesus. But the thing that makes a target, have you ever walked into a place and it feels like you're just a target for people who are hurting? You're a target for people who just need to talk. Mm -hmm. Or you're sitting in a conversation and somebody tells you, I don't know why I'm telling you all this. Mm -hmm. The reason that they do that is because they see hope in you. They can't define it. They don't know what it is. Because they say the word hope and it means something else. They They have no understanding of the hope that you carry. But the hope that you carry causes them to open and tell you their difficulties, tell you their troubles. Because from you can come an answer that's different. From you that can come an answer that will change their life. Verse 18. This was so that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, in which it is impossible for God ever to prove false or deceive us, we who have fled to him for refuge might have mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement to grasp and to hold fast the hope. Let's pause and think who that is. Appointed for us and set before us. Now we have this Savior. Now we have this promise, this personification of hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. It cannot slip And he cannot break down under whoever steps out upon it. 
That's the testimony you were sharing, Danny, with those prisoners, with the men that you encountered. You cannot step out onto this hope and it give way underneath you. A hope that reaches further and enters into the very certainty of the presence within the veil. Hope is our access to the presence. He is our hope, and through him we have access into the holy of holies, or into the very presence of the Father. And I I wrote this down, I'm going to read it just as I wrote it, because I was writing fast uh, to keep up with the Spirit, so I don't want to change or alter it. But this is his admonition or his encouragement to us. Church, we must hope not as the world hopes. For that hope is mere wishful thinking, filled with doubt and uncertainty, having no life in it. But our hope is built upon an immovable truth that in Christ we are born again and assured eternity with him. For this rock, from this rock we encounter all that befalls us with joy and peace, experiencing that promised future now as we watch him work all things to our benefit. To hope in God is our door to every good thing in his kingdom. It serves both as both buoy and anchor for our souls, a bridge into the certainty of his presence. Hope protects our thoughts from the lies of the enemy. Hope is life in the face of death, an unyielding light in the dark. Our hope is born from his desire to reveal his unchanging nature. The hope we have in him is the glory he gave to us when he placed his Son and Spirit within us. That is Christ in us, the hope of glory. We carry within us the light that will change the world, the presence of Christ in us. And that light in the darkness, that life in the face of of death, manifests in us by hope. The presence of hope in our story is a full is the is the is the evidence that we fully understand the salvation we have in the one who won it for us. So I encourage you, I encourage you to grow in hope. It sounds like a strange thing to like how do I how do I grow in hope? Do I just say, oh I hope? No, it's it is as any other gift from the Father. We first have to ask the Spirit in our time with Him, Holy Spirit, I want to grow in hope. I want to be filled with hope, hope full. And everything I face and encounter. And read the Gospels. Just read them. Read the story of Jesus. The story of Jesus is the story of hope. It is the manifestation of its power in every story, every person he encountered. You want to grow in hope? Pursue him. Um, And this is just, that that concludes the meet. So if you're full, I guess you can stop listening now. Um, But there's another another one, and Zach, you don't have this one up there. And that's okay. Um, This one is just from me to you. Um, These last two. I have been uh, this this week or the last week, I don't remember, marks 10 years I've been your worship pastor. 
Um, and I, as I was considering hope and thinking about hope, I can't help but do that and not think of you. Each one of you. And that there's a, the third verse in which, sorry, I'll jump sideways for a second. Colossians 1.27 and 1 Timothy 1.1 are hope representing the person of Jesus. But there is a third verse about hope as a person. And I want to read that to you now. This is Paul talking to the church of Thessalonica. For what is our hope, our happiness, our victor's wreath, our exultant triumph, when we stand in the presence of the Lord Jesus that is coming? Is it not you? For you indeed are our glory and joy. And just with the marking of that anniversary, I've just been meditating on how deeply I love this church and how deeply I love you all. And you represent a hope for me, a victor's wreath, that I get to stand and give testimony of when I meet Jesus on that day. I am very thankful that I get to lead you in the singing, (laughs) as we referred to it when I was growing up or in worship as we talk about it now. It is a great joy in my life. And I am very thankful every time I get to do it. And so, with my heart filled with uh, thankfulness for the hope that you are, um, I want to bless you, if that's okay. Yes. It is? Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Parker's teaching us how to talk back, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I need it. I haven't heard a lot of amens. <laughs> Parker would be upset with you. All right. Um, Zach, can you grab Romans 15, verse 13, quickly, just so we can all look at it? 15, yes, sir. May the God of hope so fill you with, jo- with all joy and peace in believing through the experience of your faith that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound and be overflowing, bubbling over with hope. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.